All right. So glad that you're here. We're moving on in Luke. Carter here and Travis Smith is with us to talk about week three of the Luke Journal. And Jesus is getting deeper and deeper into his ministry. Uh, we'll see that in these chapters that Jesus is showing us who he is and how he's going to accomplish his purposes on the earth. And he makes a bold claim. He says that he is a doctor to the sick. He does not go to the ones who are healthy, but goes to the ones that are sick. And Luke identifies with that because if you remember from the first week when Chad Hutton was with us, he talked about how Luke was a doctor. And so Luke has a lot to say. Uh, I think he's going to give us a good picture of who Jesus is. So let's dive in. Our vision is to give every baseball player around the world the opportunity to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ, respond to the message, and grow in the relationship with Jesus Christ. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. This is the Training for an Eternal Crown podcast with Full Count Ministries. Travis, man, good to have you on. Thanks for coming on, brother. Man, thanks, Carter. I appreciate it. Uh, anytime I get a chance to, to talk about the Word uh, in this context, especially with you, I, I'll, I'll take it every time. I was trying to think of when we met first. Was it on that trip to Las Mesas, probably? Well, I, actually, I've got a Carter story. Okay. <laughs> uh, first time I hit, and I, I share it a lot. Uh, I hadn't played baseball in years, and I show up at a full count game before we went to uh, Nicaragua. And uh, Jags grabs me and says, hey, go warm up uh, Carter in the pen. He's going in next. And I'm like, warm up Carter? Okay. So I, <laughs> I walked up to you, and we had kind of seen each other passing. Um, but I was like, hey, I'm, I'm here to warm you up in the bullpen. You're like, okay, yeah, that's fine. So we go down to the bullpen. I remember it was at Hendersonville's Field. And I'm squatting down. It's dark. And I'm just like, uh -huh. oh, my gosh, please. I just catch it. Don't don't hit, hit me in the mouth or whatever. And first couple of fastballs were fine. And then I see you flip your glove. <laughs> and I go, oh no! This here comes some something really nasty, and, and you threw it. It, it scared the crap out of me, but um, uh, but I but I caught it. So I, I tell everybody <laughs> that story as my first introduction into actually playing baseball uh, with full count, and, and has your name attached to it. Man, well, <laughs> I I'm glad I could introduce you, you stuck, to the Carter. ministry that way. Uh, make you. <laughs> make you jump a little bit <laughs> yeah, that's right so that was My that must have been like right before we went on mission that year when i like got to know you on las yes, mesas that's right? correct awesome yeah um yeah that's correct the first year was las mesas that is correct yeah golly that was a long time ago but it feels yeah. like 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 last week man that was good and then uh so with full count i just wanted to let people know i mean you um have you you've led D groups right with through full count? Um, yes. And you've coached yes. in the fall league. Um, what's that experience mm -hmm. been like for you, like being involved in those ways? Man, it's it's so fulfilling uh, and challenging at the same time. Um, you got high school kids. Uh, right now, my D group consists of former uh, HCA kids who have gone on and graduated and so mm. i'm getting to see you know a couple of them have gotten married a couple of them have gotten their career started and it's it's been yeah. really rewarding um seeing them just grow and all under the auspice all under the the same umbrella as full count um mm -hmm. 
we met when they were in high school. We've been um, just in discipleship with them. Now on into college, some of them have graduated. And then Fall League, same thing, man. I, I've got a guy now who helps me on my travel team who was my first year of Fall League coaching with John Smithson. He was our, our stud horse pitcher. And now he's 25 and has come back, and he's helping uh, pour into young men in my travel organization. Uh, he came back this past year in Fall League and helped coach me with me in our Fall League team. So I just love seeing that these relationships that are developed – and built um, at a time in, in, in a kid's life in high school where everything is changing and everything is unknown and just watching them develop over time and then come back. Oh, it's been very rewarding, um, challenging. I mentioned that, but uh, it's, it's one of the best things that God has ever introduced to me in my life. And I'm so thankful. Man, for it. thank you for, for coming on and, uh, just thank you for volunteering over the past and you support me. So, uh, my family directly. So just thank you for that. Um, yeah, yeah, thanks for all you do, man. Well, let's dive into Luke. Um, we are in Luke 5 through 6, 26, and week 3 of the journal, starting on page 29. Um, this is this is a really awesome uh, couple chapters. We just ended chapter 4 with Jesus talking about, um, talking to the people there, uh, he says, I must proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns also, because that is why I was sent. And I just started thinking about this and in light of what we're going to read this next week, because he, he shows us exactly how he's going to get it done. And he, the first thing he does is calls disciples. And they're not, they're not the Pharisees which he, uh, he goes back and forth with over these next couple of chapters, but he calls ordinary guys, um, guys that were rejected uh, by, by their people <laughs> and their fishermen. Yeah. They're just normal guys. And uh, we see a lot in these chapters of how Jesus is going to proclaim the good news. Um, he calls those disciples. He heals. He forgives sins. He teaches and what are what are some things that guys can look forward to this week when they're reading Travis? I I think that's great, Carter. That you kind of you you put this little umbrella out there, a great a grander vision from just opening the book and starting on verse five or verse one and reading through verse eleven. You you kind of talk about context hmm. um, where he was preaching the good news to other towns. He says that right there. What did he just done? Uh, well, he had been teaching in the synagogues. He had been healing. And now, all of a sudden, he goes from the synagogues outside. And the first things he does, like you said, is call the disciples. So you're, you're going to get to see, as a, as a D group leader, when you're talking to these kids, it's so easy to focus on a scripture and then kind of just read it and break it down. But it's always good to, to hearken them back to previous weeks mm. um, and, and almost kind of paint this broader picture. Like, we're studying Luke. This Luke journal is amazing. We started on, on chapter 1, verse 1, and now we're all the way to 5. But it's always helpful to remind them the story that we've gone along. Because you, you think about it, people reading this would read it in one city. Mm -hmm. They would read it from one. I, I remember when we were in, in Mesa, Las Mesas one time, you had us read an entire book 
from <laughs> beginning to end around the campfire. And to me, that was just uh, mind-blowing. This is how these books were meant to be mm. read. It tells an entire story. And so um, I like that we're hearkening back to the previous verses and we're looking forward, uh, looking ahead. And what you said is, is, is awesome about these are the men that he calls, the fishermen, um, the, the, the tax collector, not necessarily the Pharisees who would not hear it. Um, but this is awesome. I think one of the things in here, this is the um, Jesus throwing the, the casting, telling them to cast the net, and all of a sudden they pull in all of these fish. You know, Peter had said, well, there's nothing out there, but yet Peter still obeyed. Um, I think in our lives we can say, hey, kids, you know, when you hear God's calling, regardless as if, if you had done it before and nothing came from it, you should still obey. And then when it happens, when this miracle happens, how do we take that? And, I, and in my life, so often I'll see a miracle and I'll explain it away. Like, mm-hmm. oh, that was, that was this or that was some kind of new technology that, that helped come up with that. And, and what does Peter do when he sees this miracle? Immediately, he doesn't go, well, thank you for the, the week's worth of food. Now my family's <laughs> going to eat and high five. He immediately... Um, sees his own unworthiness. Oh, yeah. uh, and I just think that would be good for us as we're studying this as, you, as a D group leader and you're talking to these kids and you're saying, hey, guys, let's look for these, let's look for these miracles. And when we see them, don't use them for our own advantage. Like what, what can we see? Can we see our own ineptitude in it? Um, I, I just think that's awesome. Also, this, this is one thing that I would stress that I'm going to stress from the beginning uh, especially now, but all of Luke, but right now, especially over the next couple of chapters, is Jesus's authority. Hmm. His authority is going to be on on display here, um, and so just this this particular miracle shows Jesus's authority not only over nature because he was able to call the fish into there, yeah. but also over man, as you see him call Peter and James and John. Man, that's really good. Yeah, gosh, and when we encounter Jesus like these people do. Yeah, maybe that's a thing that we need to stress to our D groups is just look at how what happens when people are faced with Jesus face to face. Uh really see the relationships that develop in these next couple chapters. I think that would be awesome. All right, Travis, so let's move into the highlight for this week. It's called The Doctor. Uh, We're looking at Luke 5, 27 through 32. And this is when Jesus uh, sees the tax collector, uh, Levi, at his tax booth. And he says, follow me. And uh, Levi, uh, this tax collector, holds a banquet for at, um, at his house for Jesus and invites some other people. The Pharisees are kind of sitting there watching the whole thing go down. <laughs> and uh, he, they say, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? And then Jesus says, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Um, this is, I mean, this is so powerful in what Jesus is doing, uh, who, he's, who he's meeting with, who he's calling to himself. And Travis, what do you what do you think about this, and what can we learn from what is happening here in Luke? Yeah, I, I think the um, 
This is like the climax of all the previous miracles, keeping with the theme that I was talking about a broader perspective. Um, previously, uh, he had he had done performed some miracles, paralytic, uh, withered hand that we will all read about. Mm-hmm. But now he's actually going to change the life of a man. He's going to change and not only change his life, but you're going to get to see it play out. You're going to continue to read about um, Matthew or Levi who who he changes. Yeah. Um, this is part of his authority. He's establishing his new kingdom. Um, and he's calling people, just like you had mentioned before, the the unworthy, quote-unquote, societal unworthy people, mm. like Peter and the fishermen who are, who are seen as a certain way. This is the, <laughs> the um, just most excluded Jewish outcast person who is now working for the Roman government mm. and taxing these people, um, his own people. He's collecting money off them. So he is, he is very much an outcast. Uh, and that's who Jesus calls. He does not call the Pharisees, um, but he is calling these specific outcast people. Uh, and and I, I love that. As when we're teaching our D group kids this, and they may have certain, especially in high school, man, kids have uh, you know issues with self-esteem and, and things of that nature. And it's like, Guys, God calls the least of these. God calls societal outcasts to himself. Mm. Um, so regardless of your standing in your high school or in your family even, we so many D-group kids we've had come across, you know, terrible family lives. Um, regardless of what your situation and what your specific um, lot in life is right now, Jesus can call you. And that's such a great um, snapshot example of this calling of Levi um, God, this this God's new covenant yeah. with us, this this forgiveness, obedience, and what I love is every time He's called, they've they've left everything and they've come mm. with Him. That's um, good, and that is just a just a, a something that we can hold on to. If we obey Him, He will change our lives forever. Yeah, as baseball players, we're not. I wouldn't say that we're outcasts. Maybe we are weird, though. <laughs> I think most of us. I think most of us in full count, uh, the leaders could say that we are kind of, kind of weird guys. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> just baseball players, I think in general are kind of like that. But um, you, as a as a coach, um, have seen kind of this maybe play out uh, where you've got some guys on your team that. Uh, aren't coachable kind of like the the pharisees weren't willing to listen to jesus but then there's the ones that are willing to listen what's that kind of like as a coach yeah i I would say that's a great example uh, carter that's a good way to tie this in to our specific um, circumstances in life today you've got humble kids who are willing to be coachable who are willing to listen uh, and willing to do what you've asked them to do. Mm. And then you've got uh, the religious elites, the ones who have always been told their whole life how good they are and how better they are than other people. Mm. And they're they're sometimes not as coachable, uh, not as quick to take uh, advice or coaching from a coach. So uh, just an example I've had in the past, um, I've had two kids on my team who were one was, quote-unquote, the religious elite who would not listen to coaching. Uh, one was very humble uh, and very coachable, but he ha- was struggling. He was going through a big-time slump. 
Uh, and he so much so my assistant coaches had asked me to bench him. And he had gone from one of our top players to being on the bench. And I spoke to him, I spoke to his dad, explained that we had not given up on them, that we mm-hmm. loved them, and that we were going to continue to go alongside them and work, and he's going to get an opportunity to play. Yeah. Well, one particular tournament, we come in, and this this kid who's not coachable, but he's one of our better players, um, something happened and I needed to make a change. And I went to the kid who had been humble and told me, Coach, I'm not – I'm not going to let you down. If I get an opportunity to do it, I promise I'll come in. And and he had worked that whole week, uh, extra lessons after practice, wanted to get better, wanted to know what he was doing wrong. And I put him in for this quote-unquote spiritual elite guy, and he shined. And God, his favor was on him. And he had the best tournament he's ever had. Over the next two days, he led us all the way to the championship game. And I was so proud of him and his dad for not um, chastising the coach's decision, for not complaining and talking to other parents behind our back, for not quitting, Mm. for pulling his kid off the team, but rather being humble enough to listen to what the coaches are saying, being willing enough to work hard and to come back um, and just have that opportunity. And I think about like in, in this specific sermon or in these specific scriptures, we never see the religious elite ever once do what Peter did and see their own sin and fall on their knees and, and beg God for forgiveness. We never see the religious elite who are willing to look at themselves and to say and recognize this is the Messiah. Look at all these miracles. All these miracles you see Jesus performing in this, in these, this week of reading what do they do when they get down to 611 at the end of our reading? They are plotting on how to destroy Jesus. Mm. They are not seeing it as something that God is working through somebody, a, a Messiah, to change their own lives. Um, thankfully, uh, I've got, I had that kid on my team, and that example that I told, thankfully some, some of us are out there who are still humble and willing to look inside ourselves and to sacrifice whatever it takes but to not believe that we are above and not to push or look at um, excuses for ourselves, but that they're, they're actually willing to, to internalize and to be humble enough to say, I'm, I'm here and I'm willing to listen to authority. Wow. Yeah, that's, that's a great example. Like he's willing to say, hey, just let me be a piece of the puzzle, you know? Yeah. Uh, let, let me, I'm going to sit on the bench until you give me an opportunity. And Man, we all need to do that. <laughs> Absolutely. Carter, when I'm sitting there talking about that situation, in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, when have I done that lately? Oh, you know, yeah. When have I been willing and able to allow God to speak to me through authority? So, so right now in this world today, everybody wants to buck authority. Mm. And I just think at some point, we're going to have to fall on our knees. We're going to have to treat the miracles that we see like Peter Peter does or heed the calling like Levi does and just drop everything and follow him. Um, I, and I think this is a great example. This is something that we can just uh, encourage our D group kids to see these stories and to kind of see them in our own lives and see how they could play out. Hey Travis, uh, what is a what's a challenge that we can take away from this 
this this week for our D groups, for our leaders, for anybody who's going through this journal with us? Yeah, I would. Um, I think something that's coming to mind when I was doing this reading this week for a for a D group leader, um, just to have read everything and to pray before um, every reading that God would show you something that would be relevant in your specific group. And so for me, um, I, I keep talking about this this broader picture of God's uh, Jesus's authority. Um, but there, there is scripture. There's two separate separate occasions I can think of during this reading where um, they har- Jesus harkens back to the to an Old Testament scripture, an Old Testament passage uh, story. One of them being the the Sabbath when he's talking about the grains, and he said, "Have you not read where David went in and ate the showbread?" So to me, that is a specific scripture, a specific story. First Samuel, as a D group leader, let's read that story. Let's introduce that to the kids while we are reading that so that the kids know, you know, this, even though this is an Old Testament passage, it is, it is relevant. It was fresh on Jesus's mind. Um, and that could be a challenge to us as D group leaders to, to all look at the bigger picture, mm. you know, investigate the corners. There's a reason why Jesus told, tells the story about David um, and, and how would that apply? So as a D group leader, you go back and read that story in First Samuel and then get a little bit more understanding so that you can share it with the kids. Um, so that would be my challenge to the D group leaders, just to, to lead, read this thing in whole, not just start at verse one and finish wherever we are and then just be done with it, but to investigate all the nooks and crannies, especially the Old Testament passages so that you can kind of marry the Old Testament, the new, the old covenant with the new, It's just what Jesus is doing here. And then my call to the, the to the D group kids, um, I would say as a leader, you just you know your group and you you know the you can read the room. So you're gonna tell them, you're gonna know what they've been struggling with or or what something that they need to work on. And you can call them to that specifically. Um I last week when when I called mine, um I just basically said, Hey, let let's make it a challenge this week that we are nice to our siblings and our parents. And I don't want you to pick, it might be a, mm. too big of a challenge to be nice every single time, but just give me one example. And I want you to write it down. And next week I want you to bring it back. And I want you to say, Hey, on Tuesday, I saw the dishes there and I just did them for my mom. On Wednesday, my little brother unplugged my PS4 in the middle of a game. I could have <laughs> punched him, but I didn't, you know, just something of that nature so that they're cognizantly thinking every day of every w- of the week, something my D group leaders told me I need to do this. I want to do this, and I want to see how how that changes. Maybe nothing changes. Maybe you do the dishes, your mom doesn't say anything. Maybe you don't punch your little brother, he doesn't say anything. Mm. But what if? What if God has called you to do that, and then God, you know, unveils a little bit of His nugget, and you and your mom sits down and says, "Hey, Johnny, why did you do the dishes for me?" And then you get to share with her what God is doing in your life. So I, I think some kind of challenge like that to your kids this week, whatever it may be, something that they can think about every single day that they, my D group leader wants me to do this. I've got to write it down and I got to bring it back and I got to share it with the group. Mm. Um, really so that funny. would be my challenge. Just something that they can, while they're reading this, hopefully after they read each section, they can get up and um, put that into action in, in terms of just being being God's reflection mm. uh, of what they're reading in these scriptures to, to their family that they're 
in constant contact with on a daily basis. That's good because, I mean, you were talking about authority earlier, and if they do that, then they're going to be putting you in authority to an extent, but they're putting Christ at the center of mm. what they do because they, like, you're not getting a reward sometimes for the stuff that you do um, now. Um, yeah. And so you're trusting that uh, that this is the right thing to do because Jesus says it's the right thing to do you know yeah <laughs> so that's Amen, that's perfect brother. man that's perfect thank you so much for coming on trevis uh taking time out of your day out of your work schedule to meet with me and just be an encouragement to to these guys listening to the podcast absolutely car thank you so much for asking and god bless you in this ministry and what you're doing i really enjoy the podcast it's been a great resource as a d group leader so keep up the good work thank you sir thank you guys for listening i hope y'all have a great week always reach out to us if you have any questions we'll we'll try to help you and uh god bless you guys love you guys you have enjoyed this episode of the training for an eternal crown podcast you can visit our website for more resources and also find this podcast on all major platforms full count ministries exist to create disciples using the game of baseball we are a non-profit ministry and if you have benefited from this resource we would encourage you to consider donating to the cause to reach every baseball player with the gospel giving them the opportunity to respond to the gospel and then to grow in the relationship with jesus please like subscribe and share this podcast so that you can play a part in accomplishing the mission that god has put on our hearts for baseball players around the globe.